everybody, it's Mike. We are back with a new episode of Working It Out. We have the Sklar brothers today. The Sklar brothers, Jason and Randy Sklar, have been longtime comedy friends. Uh, I actually worked as a warm-up person on their show Cheap Seats on ESPN Classic when I first moved to New York. It was actually my first IMDb credit. They have many specials, they have many albums, they're always on tour. There are so many things they do that are great. Right now, at Nowhere Comedy Club, they're doing a virtual show of their podcast, Dumb People Town, on February 27th with special guest Jack Black. That will be hilarious. I was a guest on one of their virtual shows before. It was super fun, super funny. A really cool group of people who goes to those shows. By the way, I should mention, we just announced another uh, one of my virtual shows, which is the International Pizza Party. End of March, we're doing uh, four shows virtually. Get your tickets now. It's going to be all pizza jokes, (laughs) pizza slow round, pizza special guests. Uh, But today, enjoy uh, some of my favorite comics and also some of the best people at Yes Anding Jokes, which is what working it out is all about. Enjoy my chat with Jason and Randy, the Sklar Brothers. I can't thank you enough from when I when I was on your podcast, you sent me a gift box from Zingerman's in Ann Arbor. The best. One of my favorite delis in the country. Yeah. And it was pure joy. Oh, uh, man. That place for us, I mean, that's where we went to college, uh, University of Michigan. No, we went to the University of Zingerman's. Zingerman's. We literally <laughs> went to a delicatessen. I majored in coffee cake. <laughs> With a, with a the minor in magic brownies. With actually a minor in hundred year old uh, aged uh, balsam- balsamic vinegar. <laughs> like there was a point where I went to <laughs> last time and they they showed me a hundred year old aged balsamic vinegar and I'm like they're like here take a little and we we're like no, no. please like, don't I know it's high up on a shelf but some kid is gonna break that. Zigerman's is. By the way, I have no problem having a little ad for a local business. Hell this yeah. Is just our, this is our ad for Zingerman's. Yes. This is n- completely unrelated to the company because we I don't know the people at the company. Do you know the people at the company? So we know people who know them. You know, we have friends in Ann Arbor, <laughs> but like we're not. They're like, they're like the Wilt Chamberlain of delis. It's like, <laughs> no, no, I don't know Wilt, but I know people who know Wilt. I know people who've slept with Wilt, yes. It's six, <laughs> it's six degrees of a Kevin Bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich. <laughs> that is so beautiful of a joke. <laughs> you guys, I feel like, that's one thing that you guys and I have in common in terms of sense of humor, which is you go to the pun. I don't even know how you describe this because I have it with my my Massachusetts bit from Thank God for Jokes. Yeah, you go to the pun if it's worth the trip. Yep. Oh, we we have a new joke. We have a new bit that we talk about wanting Elon Musk to come out with his own cologne. Yes, of and course. call it Musk Musk or Elon Musk. <laughs> but we we said that we had a we had a men's fragrance in the '90s that if we had come out with it today during the pandemic, we would be billionaires. We'd be Elon Musk. Uh, we said that it was a a fragrance that smelled like Macaulay Culkin, and it we was called, called it Home Cologne. <laughs> it's the cologne you wear when you're at home. You're wearing cologne. You want to feel like you're out, but you're at home. It's got to be airtight, though. You're right, Burbigs. It's got to yeah. be airtight. If it's not airtight, then it's not worth the trip. You're so right. You have to do the math all the time because you're like, <laughs> okay, granted, if I do home cologne, there's going to be a couple grown. Yeah, totally. And we say that's your, that's, that's your problem. You know, puns are similar to props. It's like there's a certain point in, in guitar comedians. Yeah. There's a certain point in time where people are like, prop comedians are hacks. Guitar comedians are hacks. And it's like, oh, no, not all of them. Yeah, Nick Thune. Nick Thune is a hack. Nick Thune is not a hack. Flight of the Concords, they're hacks. Okay. Tenacious D, really hacky. Yeah. Give me a break. It's Yeah. Look, it's just the way you do it. And and again, it's not something we go to all the time. But, you know, it is fun. It is enjoyable. It's it's like you said, it, you got to do the math whether or not you want to do it. But it is mathematical in its own right, you know, like to figure that yeah. thing out. 
You have to be judicious with your puns. Yes, agreed. Yes. So agree. I was reading your wiki today. Yeah. And there's a great line, which is, on a Mother's Day-themed episode of At Midnight, yeah. the Sklar brothers' mother, Annette, was asked to pick her favorite son, and she picked Randy. I know. Without that, hesitation, that was I think it, it said. That was a joke. That was a bit that we did for the show. We're, we were like, how funny would it be if you sort of innocently asked her, and we didn't know if our mom could carry off the comedy, and she did. So and she said, Hardwick, just just do it like just gently ask her like she's ne- like she's gonna back down and not say who she th- like you can't choose like you just can't choose your favorite kid. Is there a hint of truth to it? Yes. Uh no, no I'm joking. Come on. <laughs> no, there's there's none. She's they, that I gotta give them credit. Both of our parents did a wonderful job of raising us in a way that they had individual relationships with us. They our dad's no longer with us, but our mom still does. But they also raised us to kind of, they, they did a really good job of walking a tightrope on everything. It's why we are together, why we work together today. You guys should rely on each other, but not be dependent on each other. It's such oh, a that's fascinating. weird line to, you should be friends with each other, but not have that be your only person that you're friends, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's a fascinating thing. And it's like, I was talking to the Lucas brothers about this because- Similar to the Lucas Brothers, you you guys generally agree on yeah. stage as opposed to the Smothers Brothers who famously disagreed. Right. And they were the comedy of disagreement. And in some ways, the comedy is agreement. It is. It's it's like two minds building it on each other in a way That's that right. other people can't. It's, it's a weird, it's almost like, and I think you the, the fact that we are twins almost affords us that because- there is a tiny bit of wish fulfillment, I think, for some people out there who may or may not have a sibling or may not have a close relationship with their sibling. And so they see twins on stage and they're like, ah, I wish I had somebody who, if I started throwing this thing out, they would lob yeah. it back and together we would build this thing. And it would it's the fun of it together. My brother Joe and I have been collaborating on writing comedy for, yeah. man, since since we were kids, basically, right. and and professionally as grownups. And and the thing that drives him crazy is that he wishes he could do what you guys do, yeah. which is he could, like, veto my comedic idea in real time on <laughs> stage. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, he'll write a joke, and then I'll go up and do, I'll do my version of it. But right. there's no one who can stop me at that point. Nope. And he'll be like, no, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever have that in the post game? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And or definitely or like we'll come up with an idea and then you're in the middle of it if it's not working well, if one of us bails, which rarely happens, you know, on it because it's not working well. It's like you didn't play it out to the end. You got to play it out to the end and just see yeah. if anything is there. And, you know, that's part of it because, you know, I feel like we do a lot of writing together. It's almost like a band. I mean, it's the perfect thing for this podcast and why we love this podcast so much as fans of it, that you you come to, and I was talking about this yesterday with our buddy Ben Glebe, who does Nowhere Comedy Club, where we all do our shows on there, uh, that... It reminds me, I don't know if you saw the the Bogdanovich documentary about um, Tom Petty. Yes, yes. So just, but there was a moment when after I think Damn the Torpedoes, they're on tour and they're writing, while they're on tour, they're writing music for the next album and and Tom Petty has The Waiting. Just he's, the opening riff for just the Just the opening guitar riff for mm. The Waiting and he's in he's in his hotel room and, they're, and the band's like on he the road. He keeps like walking into their hotel room and just walking. Just playing over and over again. And he just keeps playing over and over again and people, they're like, can you please shut the hell up or write the song? That's what they said. They're like, this is a great riff but just shut up or write the song. But the idea was he brought this, and then they helped him. I think they joined. They together. did, and he brought this kernel of this of this riff that then the whole song was built out after it. And I feel like that's the way we write a lot of our comedy, which is here's an idea. This is something that happened in my life, and ha- what's the larger truth out of it? And yeah. then what are our our roles in it? As you were talking about before, I mean, our old joke about the Smothers because we're not the Smothers brothers. Our old joke was that Mom loved the Smothers brothers more than us. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like, or love them best. But I mean, it's, it's you know, we, we couldn't be that 
I just remember there when we were first starting out, people would be like, you got to be the dumb one and you got to be right. the smart one. And you got to be the one who's always trying to reel that guy back in. People would tell us this. And while we appreciated the fact that people were invested in what we were doing, we're like, that doesn't feel very truthful to who we are. And yeah. as you know, the in my opinion, my favorite comics are the ones that are closest to who they really are offstage. It's so interesting because like the <laughs> I feel like I feel like the thing that has no place in art criticism or dramaturgy is you gotta. Yeah. yeah. You like gotta one person being like, you gotta do this. It's like, no, 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 no. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, isn't that why we got into this in the <laughs> right. first place? Is to have nobody say you gotta? And and to do, I mean, the truth is, the audience will. Yeah, say the you. world, the world we're in, our ability to to have, make a living and support our families and continue to work will tell us whether we gotta do anything. Do you guys both have veto power over jokes at all times? Yeah, I think so. I think if one, it, it really just depends on if somebody is really adamant about, I don't like this, we should stop this, or we don't, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't go in this direction. And if someone really puts their foot down, the other person has to respect it. You know, it, it's never yeah. really go, it never really goes three or four rounds or like, let's put it up. You know, there are moments, and there are moments where you don't know, but you have to trust the other person. So here, so here's an example. So we got to go to the comedy store. We have a set at the comedy store, which, you know, at the time and right now, the comedy store is, I mean, right before all this went down, was a very difficult place to get spots at. It's just yes. a, only a small number of people would get spots it's there. In the, it's in the glory day right now. Yeah. yeah, it's much like the comedy cellar, I think, in, yes. in many yes. ways on the West Coast. Right. And, you know, there's also like... There's a thing at the comedy store, which this is such a little thing that only comics know, but this is such a pulling back of the curtain. There is no, they do tag team at the comedy store. So there's no host. So oh. there's no one who's a buffer between the act you just saw and you. So right. if so you're to in a, allow people to get their whatever's out in between. Also, even just to like wipe the slate. Yeah, wipe the slate clean. And so, you know, Joe Rogan's on stage and that's a guy who goes and does a 10,000 person arena. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not supposed to be followed by anyone at this point. Like we need to figure out what to do to clear the slate from someone who's performing. <laughs> yeah. We got to write something. We got to come up with it. And so Jay had this idea and I was like, and, and we weren't sure. We you, were, were, you were skeptical. Randy was skeptical about it so much so that I kind of put it away and didn't think about it so much. Then we got back the next we, time we were we up at the comedy store. The store. We were backstage and we're right behind the curtain as someone's introducing us. I forgot who uh, it was. If not, I don't know Eric if it was, Griffin. it was Eric Griffin or, or Neil Brennan. There was Eric Griffin and we were like, hey man, just tell him like we had a Netflix special. And I really love Eric Griffin. And so he's like, these next guys got Netflix. We're like, are you saying that we have a account? <laughs> We got Netflix. Yeah, we have Hulu also. Like, what? Are you guys, saying we have Netflix? You guys have Netflix. Uh, and we're backstage and, and literally talking to each other across the curtain. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Jay's like, we should try it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So literally we went on stage not knowing, not being. Well, Randy was yeah. the one who was saying no. And then Randy launched into it. So the bit, So the bit was this. The bit was, of course, like for us, very much in our wheelhouse, like a twisting of a common stand-up trope, like an alt version of a stand-up trope, which is just to get the crowd whooped up for no reason. And so, you know, walking around the room, kind of stalking the stage. All right, yeah. all right. Okay. Okay. Where, all right, where are my dudes Where at? are my dudes at? <laughs> where, where, make some noise. And they did. And we're like, okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> all, right, all right, where are my ladies at? And the ladies always, always make more noise than the dudes. Also because they're yeah. second. Anyone who's second, second in that gonna, equation is going to be louder. And so they go nuts and we're like, oh, <laughs> dudes. Uh oh. I feel like you just got we tooed. You got we tooed. <laughs> you got we tooed. You got and we just oh and crowd laughs. So there's a little bit of a laugh, but like, okay, 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 okay. we're just feeling out the crowd. Okay, so okay. then we're like, okay, where are my single moms at? <laughs> single moms. <laughs> and like nobody says anything. So we have this tremendous because even if there are single moms, no crowd, one's they're gonna not gonna cheer. cheer. They're and not cheering. There's like the longest pause, and we're waiting there. And we're like, 
Okay. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> I see. So that's good. So we stop our own momentum and do that. And then we're like, okay, where, where are my bros, bros at? Where are my bros <laughs> at? And a couple bros. people chair in days like, all right, bros, I see you out there. I wear my bros who recently went on a camping trip with their best bro. Okay. <laughs> it got cold outside. So you guys climbed in the same sleeping bag. For warmth. <laughs> I was warmth. Is what you told me. You only brought one. You were, in, you were ill prepared for, for the trip. For warmth. For warmth. But then you looked into to his eyes for one second and then it like clicked and you're like I'd let him put the tip in once where like, you at yeah, some noise so crazy <laughs> and it's such a long and then, and then I'm like alright where, where are my ladies are you still out there ladies where am I it's, it's going on for so long <laughs> ladies where are my ladies out there who support the war but not the troops? Where are you at? Oh, God. Where are you at? And then it gets silent. We're like, seriously, where are you? Because you got to leave. You got to leave. That is the it's wrong no attitude way to, to have about it. <laughs> and so, like, it just, in that, in that period of time. So what does that bit do? That bit is all about energy. That initial thing wipes the stage clean of whatever they just saw. Yeah, the, we, even what we just did for, like, two minutes just there with you. I mean, that's the bit. You forget what came before you, even if it was Joe Rogan or some massive. I have story. literally, I have two bits that are precisely for that. Yeah, which is basically what I do at the Comedy Cellar. If people, which like you're saying is like the the New York equivalent of the store. Yeah, is um, because the crowd is a mixed bag. It could be anybody. They right. could know exactly who you are or they could have no idea who you are and they live in, they're from France. It's their second language. Yeah. <laughs> like it could just yeah. be any. Oh, yes. And so I always go, uh, I was, I was, I, I just, it's an old story, but it's like I say a few years ago, I was asked to, to be part of a celebrity golf tournament. And I was, my brother and I are paired up with these two guys and, and uh, to play golf. And, and, and the one guy says to me, who do you think our celebrity is going to be? And I go, oh, oh no, I, I think it might be me. And then I'm apologizing to this guy. I'm really sorry I'm your celebrity. Yeah. If you think this is disappointing for you, you can't imagine how disappointing it is for me. And it takes the burden. It's a quick joke. And then I go into a story, whatever I do. Yeah. It takes the burden off the audience of um, assessing who, who is this you guy? are That's right. who is and this guy? what your relationship is to them. They're going like, well, I've never heard of this fucking guy. Right. And then you say to them, hey, don't worry about it. I know that you don't know who I am. Stepping away from my conversation with the Sklar brothers to send a shout out to Freshly. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. My favorite kind of food. Um, I'm laughing because later in the show, I actually work on a bit with the Sklar Brothers that includes Freshly. Because I actually sent it. I get it myself. I sent it to my parents. Um, I actually wrote a piece in, uh, in The New Yorker where I mentioned Freshly. That's how I got in touch with Freshly because they emailed me. And then I said, oh, you should advertise on the podcast because I, uh, I eat your meals. And then I can <laughs> genuinely say I love your meals. They, they send stuff like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, chicken pesto bowl. They're all really, really good. Right now, Freshly is offering our Working It Out listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Bigs. So stop stressing about dinner. Please stop stressing. Go to Freshly.com slash Burbigs for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash Burbigs for $40 off your first two orders. So this is a thing we do called the slow round. And it's basically like memories and things that yeah. uh, the, the, they're sort of prompts. And... One of them I always like to ask is like, what's a story that you guys don't tell on stage, but sort of tell at parties or to friends? Yeah. So here's a story that we used to tell, that we've always thought, I wonder if this could be something. And this was a story that we loved to tell when we were kids, which or a story from when we were kids. When we, I think this is like the first time we like willingly both like lied big time to our parents. <laughs> um, which is great that we went in on it together. Um, yeah. We asked our parents uh, 
I don't know where we, what magazine we saw this in, but we had like some comic book or magazine or something. And in our the, next door neighbor was doing it. He was doing it, but the, but we saw the ad for a home needle pointing kit where you can make your own pillows. Oh, and so we went to our parents and we said, "Can we can we order these needle pointing pillows?" And our parents said no. They just flat out said no. It wasn't that it was too expensive. And now that we are parents, we all we know that it it's just fun to it say. It feels no. really good to just say no <laughs> to stuff. You can't, you can't do that. Why? Because you just because we're not doing you know like <laughs> a totally weird flex, but let it <laughs> right. Because life isn't because life isn't fair is what my mom used to say. So so they just said no and we you know, normally took the no and we ate it and we and we lived with it and we weren't very like rebellious kids in that way. And so, but for some reason, this thing, our neighbor was doing it. Andrew Sharon was needle pointing up. In his, so we were like, you know what? We're going to do it behind their backs. So we got the money together, <laughs> mailed in cash, which always a great idea to put cash in the mail. <laughs> And then for like three weeks, we're like checking the mailbox before our mom and dad. And like, we're really trying to get the, and the kits come and we get them and we like zip upstairs into our rooms and hide them. And then, you know, needle pointing is not something you can do in like five minutes. It's like so a you're project in your room for a it's long- It's a long-term project. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's like a craft that takes weeks. <laughs> this also, is, by you, the way, like the nerdiest rebellion- Ever. That has ever existed. <laughs> ever. And so dumb. And we're like, all right, let's let's do it. And so like you're in your room for a long time and we are like at the- We're like, like 11. 11 or 12. So our parents are like- you know, what are you doing? Locking the door. Locking what are you door. doing what in your you room at 11? What are you doing there? We're like, uh, masturbating. <laughs> We're not needle pointing. <laughs> Definitely nobody's needle pointing in these rooms right now. So like, we're like, I mean, we had to keep it so quiet. Like we ha- each had these like sliding closet doors. Like we cleared out the stuff in our, in the bottom of our closet. We're literally needle pointing in the closet. Yes. Closeted yes. needle pointing. So, yeah, yeah. And, and and the pillows, which I have to explain with the pillow. The pillows were, I don't know what they could have been like. They were pillows that would have been too small for chihuahuas to put their heads on. They were like finger pillows. Like, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> like, if you're if you're someone who points at someone a lot and then you need to rest that finger down on something, yeah, yeah. you're a heavy pointer and you got to put that so, in. So the, it's like, the, a, like a tooth, almost like a tooth fairy pillow. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so... We finished the actual needle pointing of the face of the thing, and then there were instructions on how to turn it into a pillow. And they were like, you need to get stuffing, get pillow stuffing, and then you need yeah. to find a piece of fabric that cut it and fit it to the back. But we're like 11 years old. We can't be like, Mom, can you take us to Michael's? For what? We don't know. <laughs> we can't tell you. You know, like, just drop us off. We're a ma- blo- for for uh, masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, we want to masturbate at Michael's. <laughs> at Michael's. You know, it might be the most exciting thing that happens at a Michael's. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we, we did it at Joanne Fabrics, and it was very successful. <laughs> so we, so we, we, this is where we go, like, off script. And the, you can't go off script when you're in a needle-pointing craft. So we... We don't we don't have like a soft piece of material to put on the back of the pillows. So what I did was I found excess wallpaper from my room that I cut in the shape for both mine and Randy's pillow. So you know, the softness of wallpaper behind your pillow. Yeah. Okay. And I we we've sewed it on because it was kind of clothy and we sewed it on. And then we stuffed the pillows with our old Underwear. Underwear. <laughs> okay. Underwear that we may have masturbated into. I don't this know. Is, I yeah, just, of course. And 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 <laughs> that's so vivid. Yeah. It's so weird. It's and that, so weird. And, and then that became the stuffing of the pillows, and we finished it and so then lumpy uncomfortable finger pillows. On ev- in every sense of the word, these were the shittiest pillows ever. <laughs> the worst. And so that that's something that happened to us when we were younger and we were like, God, I wonder if there is a way to tell this story on stage or what it's about. I feel like it's one of those stories that it's like, it's such a good story. It reveals so much about you, which is like, you're like nerds to the core. Yes. And that exemplified itself in like a classic child thing, which is lying to your parents. Right, rebellion. About this ridiculous thing. And I just wonder like, where does it land? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess like 
today. You know, you could talk about it in terms of today, the fact that we are have spent a year with our kids with oh. like nowhere to go. Like they yeah. can't hide shit from like us. Like we're too inside their we're business. Si- also, I think parents are by the nature of the way parenting has kind of moved right now, we're just, as parents, more involved in our kids' lives for better and for worse. I I feel, I think about this all the time. I'm like, I mean, the amount of time that we spend, you know, talking about our daughter and like working on things with our daughter. Like, I think about my own childhood. Like, I feel like I was, I mean, people use the term free range children. Like I really, I feel like when there was no school, <laughs> yeah. it would just be like, go outside. Yeah. Go on out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it would be like, um, I guess I should go home. It's dark out. Right. Like I would be gone all day. Oh, yeah. I was like seven. <laughs> we, we were like playing, we'd be like playing neighborhood sports with like all the kids in the neighborhood, a couple of houses down. And our mom would like come out at 630 I mean, she, again, we'd be like you, gone all day. God knows what, she didn't know what we were doing, but we were like, oh, we're going to play, you know, football down the street. And she would come out of our house and just out to the neighborhood, not even say our names. She would just come out of the house and be like, <laughs> dinner. And then we would turn to our friends and be like, God, oh, she's all over us, God, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ, get off our back, lady. She's a smother. She's yeah, not a mother. She's just smothering us. But it's like, you know, and that and that was like too much. I was like lighting, I was like lighting fires in the woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was, I was literally yeah. possibly creating uh, a calamity in the town yeah. at all times. I was like kicking over uh, <laughs> gravestones in the cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> which it, now you think about that, you think about how disrespectful that is. I it's mean, all we, were, all we were doing was needle pointing in a closet. So this is a, this is a new thing. Two, two pieces of it. Yeah, they're both kind of similar, but like they're two pieces. You can start with the first part, which well, the is- The first part was when my son turned 11, he wanted a phone. And I, you know, in my mind, I was like, can we hold out till 13? That's a, that's a long <laughs> right. time I've heard out. this. I've heard my brother dealing with the same issue. So. It's crazy. So he's 11 and I'm like, all right, he's, you know, middle of his fifth grade year. He's going into sixth grade, which is middle school. It was before the pandemic. So I'm like, next year he's going to kind of be on his own a little bit more. I should get him a phone. You also don't want all of his friends to be like texting each other and he's left out. Like that yeah. suddenly yeah, yeah. you have to, you're, you're, you're walking that line. You got to ride that wave in a week. You got to, yes. you got to surf that wave. Uh, am I, am I? I denying him a cultural touchstone versus am I being overprotective or am I being Are you just the right amount? Point, right. So, so I we decided after my wife and I decided after much deliberation to do it, and you know, I so you give him the phone, and and it's so funny because I talked to a bunch of other parents about the moment when they gave their kid their phone. It felt like they were talking about the moment they had to put their own parents into, like, hospice. You just yes. feel ashamed. You're like, oh, well, well we, held, we held out as long as we could. I, you know, yes. we're I just going to slowly say goodbye to him, I guess. There are now. some days know. I'll just walk into his room and just sit there with him, just yeah. to let him know that I'm there. He doesn't know that he, I'm We there. don't talk anymore. No, no, no. no. Yeah, we, yeah. we definitely don't talk anymore. <laughs> Someone should probably go in there and flip him over so he doesn't get bed sores. That's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> Is he eating? I don't I, think he's eating. Let, let's just get his affairs in order. For, yeah, and then uh, we'll see him on the other side when he He's 20. So so this is where I think the bit can bridge to another bit we have, which is giving someone a phone is is almost like you're saying, here, let me give you give this present to you, which is a gift of you now asking me for a million other things that you can yes, do. Yes, it's a gateway gift. It's a gateway gift. I mean, it's the reason why most genies say you can't wish for more wishes. That's more it. wishes, yeah, yeah, classic. That is, that's a great point, Ren. Uh, and I think that's so, so, so basically it's the more wishes wish. So I, I now, for his 12th birthday, he was like, can I have Instagram? And I was like, <laughs> right. oh, God. Jesus Christ. Uh, great price. Great price, by the way. Great price. Yeah, right? I can get it for cheap. Yeah. I was just like, mm, man, all right. I guess. And again, you like fight it and you fight it and you stay up all night and think about it and you talk like, about it. I'm going to have to give it to him. There's a sense, there's a part of you that says, I got to give it to him. So you're like, how can I ruin this for him? Right. So, so right. I'm like, 
yeah, that's it. So he's going to get it. And as soon as he gets it, I'm going to regret it. And I was like, you got to ruin it for him. So Ray, I was like, how can I ruin Instagram? And he, and we started talking about, you got to parent Instagram, like treat it like something you're parenting. And then he won't want to do it. So I got to be like constantly like, hey, you know, you ha- I noticed you're following Uncle David, but you didn't like any of his photos. You got to start like, liking oh his God. photos. And like all the black and white oh ones he God. takes in his food. I don't know why he black and whites the food. And you can't but- just like them. <laughs> you have to comment on them. Yeah, you got to comment on them. And then you have to comment on some of the other comments. You got to get involved. I mean, this is your family. Someone just wrote a nice thing about your skateboarding video. Did you even like it? Like to- Did you even like it? And you can't use <laughs> oh that music. God. You have to sub like it. I mean, it's like then suddenly you become that. And they're like, fine. You know what? I don't need to be get off of Instagram. What you're describing is not only a good comedy bit, but a great idea. Right. It's a a life hack. Like, it's a life hack. It's straight up like, I'm already thinking about the things I could do that with with my daughter to make them less cool than they are. So you just, and if you go that route, like that's your only recourse. Like that's, in in those moments as the wave is coming, that's sort of your only recourse is to ruin it in a parenting way. And it is kind of fun. I had one tag in the middle that occurred to me, which is like, (laughs) <laughs> which is like, well, you know, you know, he, my son wanted Instagram, and you know what they say about these these social media things. If if it doesn't cost anything, then your son is the cost. It's <laughs> 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 really you have good. to pay with your child. Oh, That's right, God, your child. you have to give your child to the Facebook corporation. That's right. Basically. And they, they are never returned again. Right, or they're never returned the same. It's like they went to, like they were one of the hostages in Iran or they went to prison yes. for three years. They're Tom Selleck in that movie where he went to prison and he comes back and he can't have normal sex with his wife. <laughs> yes, and also it's like this thing of like, like at what point is the technology that they're asking us for at what point does it cross the line? Like where they're like, Dad, I want a taser. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, I don't know if you should, what do you need the taser for? Are your fr- like, all I- my friends are tasing each other. I guess, look, I don't want him to fall behind here. Yeah. That's, that's- it's like they're, my friends are tasing each other. It doesn't kill you. <laughs> uh, they're they're back on their feet in twelve to twenty four hours. <laughs> Look, it's better than vaping. It's definitely not as addictive. It's better as vaping. than vaping. It's better than football. That's, it's better than vaping. Is the conversation you have with your wife? That's the like we're giving, <laughs> <laughs> honey. It's better. That, that's the moment you know you're going to give it to them <laughs> when somebody says it's, it's better than vaping. Stepping away from my conversation with the Sklar Brothers to send a shout out to our sponsor, ShipStation. If you are shipping things or you're selling stuff online, which we all are, let's be honest. (laughs) Maybe. We are. I mean, we, for example, when you're a guest on the show, we send our guests uh, Beats headphones, wireless Beats headphones, and we ship them using ShipStation. So my brother, Joey Bag of Donuts... He uses uh, he uses ShipStation no matter where you're selling, if it's Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. Ship more in less time. Use my offer code Burbigs to get a 60-day free trial. Free? What's that? Two months free, no hassle, stress-free shipping. Go to ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in Burbigs. That's ShipStation.com, offer code Burbigs. And now, back to the show. I, I wanted your help with this bit that I, I tell sometimes over the years, but I feel like there's like something deeper to be found in it, which is that my brother Joe is better than me at a lot of things. One of the things is skiing. Yeah. To me, I just don't get it with skiing. To me, skiing is is just brainstorming ways to die. Like, like what if what if we got on top of a really steep mountain? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's good. But what if we, what if we we got to raise the stakes? We could strap four foot long razor blades <laughs> to our feet <laughs> and then create barriers along the way. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're all we're all human pinballs. Yep. And uh, and so. A few years ago, he convinces me. This is like eight years ago. He convinces me we're in Utah doing a gig, and uh, 
he convinces me to go skiing, and I haven't gone as a grown-up. I only as a kid. Right. And I get the rental skis or whatever. I get to the top of the mountain, and and I'm fl- I'm just flying, just flying down the mountain, <laughs> yeah. and I and my skis, um, my skis hit, uh, get stuck in one of the moguls, one of yeah. the bumps. And my body does not. And so my body just <laughs> flies in the air like a 30-pound toddler yeah. on a b- bouncy castle. Yeah. And and so then I land on sort of my shoulder and my face, and now I'm sliding down the mountain yeah. uh, with, my, with my face as my skis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Equally distributing my equipment. Uh, along the way, mm-hmm. mittens and hats and skis and poles, like a, like a yard sale, yeah. is uh, that's what they call it—a yard sale yeah. skiing accident, where uh, where it looks like I'm selling uh, all of my stuff, which is what I should be doing. I should be like, yeah. this didn't work out for me. Maybe it'll work out for you. <laughs> that's right. And uh, I've always thought it's not the best look for a salesman, just a man with a broken shoulder, <laughs> lying face down on a mountain, yeah. just going, maybe I could interest you in some equipment. <laughs> I'll take whatever amount will get me to a hospital. Yeah. And and I'm lying there on the on the on the ground and I hear laughter and I look up and it's my brother Joe who's taking photos of me with his <laughs> with his phone. And I go, Joe, I'm in pain. And Joe says, Mike, you're gonna want these photos, <laughs> and and I and I I've never seen the photos. No. And I don't I don't know where those photos are. No, it's so good that he couldn't even follow through on that is so funny. So I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that he could yeah exactly. I broke my shoulder and you couldn't even just attach it to an email. Thanks a lot, Joe. <laughs> um, Do you guys have anything like that where you're like? Because I think that. It's a fun story, it's but great. I feel like there's got to be a deeper meaning to it. It's like, what is it about? Okay. So here's what I think it's about. It's so interesting as comics, like we really do more than, I don't want to say more than regular civilians, but I will say more than people who aren't in comedy, we take massive risks. Every time we step on stage, you're right. it could That's be right. a disaster, especially in front of lots of people on TV, like all kinds of things. Like we take so many risks. So I think... As a result, if you're not a self-destructive person, then if you're not Steve O, if you're not Steve O, yes. or if you're not like a drug addict, or you know, you're not someone who's just like off In other the rails. Words, if you're not Steve O, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then then you've used up, you've maybe used up all of your risk cards. Yes, on that could be stand up. So then, when someone invites you to do something else that is super risky, like. Because you're not good at it. It's not risky for him because he's good at right. it. Like there's right. no chance. But for you, when you're flying down the hill, it's like you are just, you know, it, it, to me, it's like you're having sex without a condom with someone you just met, like, you know, at a, host, a youth hostel in like Amsterdam. It's like, we <laughs> right. don't, you know, like it's such a feeling of like, this could be, this could end horribly wrong. Number one's going to end horribly wrong. Number two, your leg could get stuck in a mogul. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true, by the way. And I think like Joe is, you know, in terms of our collaboration as as comedy writers, I'm much more on the on the side of like let's just go for it and take major risks and Joe is always on the end of like well we kind of don't want to offend this this person we don't want to offend dads right. we don't want to offend right. whatever my mom right. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> right. and yeah. and I, and I'm actually more on, on the you know we got to go for it we only live once but but he has that when he when he's uh, skiing moguls, he 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 looks like my comedy when right. he's skiing moguls. That's right. right. So here, so here, so how about this? I got this. So you start the whole story. You want to because this is really about the relationship between you and your brother, and you think your brother is secretly trying to get back at you. So you <laughs> right. talk about talk about a joke you wanted to do that he didn't want you to do, oh, and then fun. you say the joke. You're like, yes. "Here's what I defended." He thought it was going to be offensive to this, and then you can make fun of that. But the idea is that that he thinks you're taking that risk. So maybe his way to get back yeah. at you is to take you skiing, which is a life thing. Yeah. And you talk about how we as comics are constantly on the edge. Is this bit going to work? Is this story going to work? And are we going to, yeah. is this going to tank? Is it going to fall? We live on that edge. We're at the top of a mountain every time we take the stage and you don't know how it's going to go. You don't know where the icy spot is going to be on the thing. You just don't know. 
And so he takes you down literally because what skiing is, is, and then you get into what skiing is. Because I think that's the larger truth of it is like the risk taking that your brother takes versus you. It's, it's, It's very personal, but I also think it's very, that's the larger thing. I mean, what I would say is there's also a notion that you can go further with it in terms of like, and it's never enough for people who ski. Hey, I'm skiing down this black. Yeah, straight down the and the and like if you conquer that, that's not enough. Oh, okay. well, I had a helicopter drop me up on Jupiter Bowl. It's like <laughs> who gives a what? Yeah, yeah. I got shot out of a slingshot with my. Right. Thing. I had to put my skis on in the air. It's that's like, like Jeff right. Ross going like, "I'm going to roast people in prison." It's like okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay, okay, all right. I get it. So, but I mean, it's that the idea is that it's never enough for skiing people. So even if you were to do this, there's someone else going like, "Well, have you?" tried this like no and that's a great example and it's like and and that that, you know joe will ski on glades or whatever which is like that's not the mountain yeah (laughs) that's not where you're supposed to (laughs) ski (laughs) like there's no chairlift there well have you done it on parabolic i don't even know what parabolic skis are (laughs) right So as far as the yard sale part of it, I think is so funny because that is what it is. It looks like that. I think you can go even further with that. Like and, what's in your yard yeah. sale? Yeah, so I mean, it was so much oh, for right. yard sale. It was my hat, it was my gloves, two Woody Allen books that I'm just not sure <laughs> if I need anymore. I mean, I, res- I respect what he did as a comedian, but I'm just squeamish about it. Best offer, guys, best offer. A framed magic eye fo- uh, painting, <laughs> which I already know where it is. It's three dolphins jumping out of what I seen it. Uh, a fur coat, we just don't need it. And I know from first making a comeback but we just don't need it anymore <laughs> um some newspaper clippings i just whatever it's just like all that stuff that was left on things the- you would find at a yard and then you're kind of making that's how you injured to- you were things that you- then you can make fun of yard sales for the stuff that they sell it i think that's i think that, oh, those are hilarious and i think that those are uh that's a great superstructure this idea of risk and yeah. making the story about risk because that's you know when i work with like ira glass or i work with my yeah. director seth barish like what they're always trying to do is pull out of me, like, what is this whole thing about? Like, what's the story under the story? So we try and think about that with our bits all the time. It's it's what allows us to get into that. I mean, it's- We do like three things. We're like, what is this bit about? How do the two of us fit into it? Because that's something that you don't have to do that we have to figure out. Yeah, we're like, what is this bit about? What are we trying to say about it? What are the jokes? And then how can we create some structure that is a good thing for the two of us to be involved? That only we can do. That's a Sklar brother bit. Because we are where we are, and it's because we had our kids a little bit later in life, what we're we're in that in-between where you're dealing with that with your kids. This is a kind of an interesting bridge. And then you're dealing with parents that are getting older. Our mom's 75 and she had two strokes. And you know, you're dealing with wow. that aspect of that. And she's wonderful and amazing, but you're kind of taking care of her and she's far away. And you're thinking about how during this pandemic, how she's handling it. And how she has like every pre existing condition, so she can't see anybody. And it's just hard. And so during the pandemic, what came out as like a product that was so interesting to us was I think it was in Japan. Of course, it was Japan. Uh, our, Our sex robots. That are also companions for older people. It's a safe. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's a right. Safe way for older people to have companionship in a sex robot. We were like, okay, great. We are so on board with this. Having a mother who is, you know, isolated and whatnot. We are so on board with like the sex robot companion for the elderly. Great idea on paper. But if you've ever tried to help your parents or grandparents set up email, <laughs> this is this will kill everything, including your relationship <laughs> with them. Like. You are not uh, going to want to hang Because there's going to be a moment where she's going to be well, going the, down in the menu. And what we're saying is like, that box better come and you better open it up and that robot better come out ready to go. Just start banging. <laughs> Just start banging. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you shouldn't have to. It shouldn't even be an on switch. No, you shouldn't have <laughs> yeah, to yeah, set yeah. up anything because like your mom shouldn't say to yourself, how do I turn on the sex robot? You should be like, how does it turn, turn you, you on? on? That's how it should go. <laughs> <laughs> How is it turning you on, <laughs> Nana? And so you're just like it, it, because it's almost like it's almost like you want. It's like I want that robot on an airplane <laughs> from Japan, <laughs> flying first class, getting an Uber to my mom's house 
opening the front door and giving her a hug. Yes. I've never rooted for AI, like, to develop more. (laughs) I think coming off the giving your kid the phone and giving your kid Instagram, it's the other side of that spectrum of how we are these parents and be people who are almost 50 years old and in between this thing, and that's what we're dealing with. And the sex robot for companionship for your mom, and that's just a bad idea. I mean, we have a whole other story, and I don't know if we ever even told you this about... um, the uh, like our mom right before the pandemic she was out here in LA and she uh she, <laughs> she asked me to she asked us Jay and I was in the room too she was like can you guys help me and then Jay just left I mean like he just heard can you guys help me oh and then like in the shape of my body was the dust that was on my body <laughs> and then <laughs> You could hear my car starting. It's just like a car door and a bleep bleep, and he was gone. Uh, she's like, can you help me? This is March 7th, okay, right before the pandemic went down. Can you help me make an evite for her 75th? 75th birthday party yeah. on March 29th. And she's like, but I don't want people to, do, I don't want it to be called a birthday party. Like, I don't want people to know that oh it's a gosh. party for my birthday. You mean, and we're like, yeah. you mean all your friends who know that your birthday is on March 29th? <laughs> it just call, she said, just call it an open house. And we were like, yeah. oh. So you want, you want to, you don't want people to know it's your birthday. You want them to think that you're selling your house. Okay. So let's put that <laughs> confusion into the mix there. So I'm looking on Evite with her to try and find. I don't realize what I'm about to step into. This is why you don't get your mom a sex I mean, maybe that's the end of this whole story. But like, I, I'm looking at it. They have an open house. Thank God. They have an open house Evite. That is a template on there. Oh. And I go to show it to her. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to do this in 10 minutes. This is going to be amazing. I show her the open house Evite. And she looks at the picture of the house on the Evite. And she's like, that's not my house. I'm like, yeah, yeah. mom. They they, they don't That's have your house so funny. on the <laughs> front so of the good. Evite template for an open house that is really <laughs> your birthday, but it's your open house. So I, I was like, we're all in LA. No, no one has, has a picture of your door opening up. So I start to, that starts the next three hours of she and I looking at pictures of doors, opening that. She's JPEGs like- JPEGs of doors. JPEGs. The uh, images. So no, that one opens in. That out. Mine opens in. Okay. Oh my who cares? God. Th- no, I showed her a picture of a mot. A really, there was a cool door on like a modern house, and you would have think that I was like, I'd shown her like pictures of piles of glasses in Auschwitz. She looked at this <laughs> oh door God. and she was just like, Ugh! Ugh! it like oh reviled gosh. about how modern the door was. It took so long. Finally. I see this tiny thumbnail of like light pouring into this beautiful house that looks somewhat similar to mom's house. And she's like, I like it. I'm like, great, we got it, let's get it. I click it, it's tiny, you can't really see what it is. I put it into the Evite card and when it's enlarged, it's a picture of a door open in a house and a person leaning down to a kid in a wheelchair. Oh my God. <laughs> to which I'm like, Okay, mom. This, this is the one we're using. <laughs> so you're either going to have to like combine your open house with like a, a fundraiser for muscular dystrophy or something. You're going to have to become God. friends with a kid in a wheelchair because th- in order to make this thing relevant, because this is right. more. She's like, no. So then we spent another hour looking at French doors. She's like, they're not going to be in my bedroom. I know they're not going to be in your bedroom. Mom. Oh my God. So we finally, we finally settle on a door. I, I can't believe how long this took me. So then she gets me all of her friends' emails to put in. And I start putting them in and they are, no person over 70 has mikeburbiglia at gmail.com. There is no, <laughs> every person over 70 is like mike.burbiglia736 yes. number sign yep. AGF719 yep. at ca.rr.net. And you're like, <laughs> I, I, these are not email addresses. These are the nuclear codes. Like here they all are right here. <laughs> So I put them all in and every single one of them bounces back because there are so many letters in there. There's no human way that you could get it correct. Like, and I'm a smart Uh. person. I just am not answering correctly. It takes me two days and I finally enter all of them. And by the way, mom will not allow- She won't let him send it. Even though Randy's like, you know, you can add names to the list. She's like, I don't want some people getting the I don't Evite. want Ellen Gross to be mad that Linda Wallace got the Evite first. Right, and I was like, of course, oh. yeah. I'm like, you mean the Evite for the open house that you're having? Yeah. So, <laughs> she, so we finally get them all in. And I mean, it takes me two days. And we get the last one there. And she's like, you've refinanced your house. And th- that was simpler <laughs> than what I had to do in this Evite process and we click literally 
click send and send out the evite. And then at that moment, the entire world shuts down and she has to cancel the party because all of her oh friends God. have pre-existing conditions. Yes, of course. Th- this is why old people can't have sex robots. Right. Well, that I mean, the sex robots thing, it's such an odd, it's such an odd thing. I guess the question with the story about your mom and both stories about your mom is like, what is it about? Like, is, is your mom in St. Louis still? She she's, is. She is in St. Louis. So, so she's in St. Louis and it's like, I mean, is it ultimately about, like, guilt that you're not in St. Louis with her? I think there's a little bit of that. I think there is, like, our mom has such a, this is such a funny thing that our mom, like, our mom hates whenever we have beards. Because I think that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, that's my mom, too. She, you know what my mom says? She, she goes, you look dirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And it's then, so It then, makes you look when- dirty. It is such a funny thing, and I and for the longest time, it annoyed the hell out of me. I'm like, Mom, you're making me want to grow a David Letterman beard right now because of what yes. you're saying. But what I realized in a lot of ways is that they still see you as their kids, and maybe that's yeah. infantilizing and not fair, but, like, fine. Like, they want you to be their kids, and when they see this, like, grown man who's, like, got a beard and a whole thing going on, then they feel again. It's like, it's the same feeling I feel when I give my kid a phone, and I'm like, ah, crap, you're going to grow up and not need me for anything anymore at all. But I think, like, the I think the fundamental story of our parents asking us to do, to be tech support for them, when, like, it's like I have been working for 25 years to be a comedian so that I don't have to be a tech support technician. <laughs> well, but th- what's so funny is like then maybe the the bit is like that now in more than ever, you understand the concept of outsourcing. So like <laughs> right. there should just be a moment where you, there should be, and we're not saying to India or to another country. Right. I'm saying at this moment, your mom asks you for a certain thing and then you should be able to outsource to another person who's around mom your so- age. Mom sourcing. Yeah. Mom sourcing. Out mom, mom sourcing. Yeah. Mom sourcing. Yeah. You got to call, call. You got to mom source that. You got to mom source that. I mean, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. Like you don't want to deal with that. You just mom, mom source, source it. it. You send it to someone. It's not like random tech support. <laughs> it's someone who cares about our mom, but who's not us. <laughs> it's someone who has a mom and has been a mom. That's right. It. It's like we outsource. We're, we're we're, we're tech support for someone else's mom. <laughs> I think I think mom sourcing it is really funny, like sticky concept. It's a great. It one. is because like it's something that's like yeah, for two hours a week, Randy and I we mom source for a different mom. She's in Cleveland, <laughs> and you know all the emotions taken out of it. And, yeah, I mean we have tons of compassion for this woman, and you know yeah, I just helped her. We just helped her set up her TiVo. And yeah, I know that's twenty years old, but I mean it works great. <laughs> She loves the love, but we had so much patience for her. <laughs> I think that's great. I think mom's source is funny. I think one of the things about, one of the unsung, like, greatnesses, I think, of good comedy is when a comedian pitches an idea as a joke that's actually, like, a decent idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, right. as, like as an invention or, like, a company. You're yeah. like, actually, mom sourcing would be pretty good to have. Stepping away from my conversation with the Sklar brothers to send a shout out to Helix Mattresses. Oh, they're so comfy. I've been sleeping on a Helix mattress for the past year, and it's made my serious sleepwalking disorder go away. <laughs> no, it, it is not. I cannot, I cannot make medical claims on these podcast reads, but uh, I have had great nights of sleep. It's true. I've had great nights of sleep. If you go to helix.com slash burbigs, you take their two-minute sleep quiz. They match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have soft and medium and firm mattresses. And you you go to helixsleep.com right now for Working It Out listeners. They are offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash burbigs. And now back to the show. So I have a thing, I have a thing about my mom, which is that uh, I say like, she's like a Christian, but she's like 
this bizarro eccentric branch of Christianity that <laughs> emulates Christ. And, uh, you know, they work with food banks and helping local homeless shelters and, and uh, you know, stuff that Jesus would do if he was still alive when he wasn't cleaning up in the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the things my mom does that I've always admired is she takes the consumerism out of Christmas. So she always has a rule, which is she does either no presents uh-huh. or presents under $5. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So I don't know if you've ever tried purchasing a gift for under $5. A lot of secondhand bars of soap. Yep. <laughs> a lot of used notebooks, half-eaten boxes of cereal. Sure. And um, and then, uh, no, but she usually ends up stopping by CVS. Yep. Com- completely serious. Going to, like, one of the bins. Mm-hmm. And, and she usually just gets me a notebook, which I'm easy to shop for because I love notebooks. Sure. And, um... I, and I and I recently had one she she gave me that had a prompt which is like what's something that you wish you could do if there were no barriers or obstacles and I wrote down and this is completely earnest I was like I wish I could tell my parents I love them or do anything that indicates that I love them and when I say my my parents no one says I love no one says I love you they're completely loving yeah they're, they're wonderful people yeah. No one ever says I love you. Uh-huh. No, I mean they say they say take care. Yeah. <laughs> a very like a very emotional conversation. Jesus, at the end. are they are they mob bosses? Take care. <laughs> Watch out. It'd be a shame if something happened to you, you Michael, <laughs> and your wife and your daughter. You take care, Michael. Take care of that brother of yours too. <laughs> Tell him to put some stuff on his walls. Yeah, I hope I hope nothing bad happens to you when you go skiing, Mikey. <laughs> so um, every once in a while when I was a kid, my parents would say a variation on I love you, which would be we wub you, <laughs> which is not the same thing. It's, um, it's like, you know, the, it's like a- if my dog died, like my dog Leo died in a motorcycle accident when I was a kid. <sighs> And they were like, we wub you. And I'm like, it's not the same thing. No. Your parents are like the Fonz trying to say he's sorry. <laughs> or, or Wait, did the Fonz have a hard time saying I'm sorry? Yeah, yes. he couldn't say I'm sorry. And he couldn't say I love you. He yeah. also couldn't say I love you. Yeah. Oh, love- really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I think, I think that's a good joke to say that my mom is like the Fonz of... The fawns of mothers. Yeah, she can't say I love you. Uh, she, her office is in a bathroom. <laughs> she wants water skied over a <laughs> shush. <laughs> my dad makes her live above the garage. So, so what I did with my parents over the pandemic, I wanted to do something loving. And so I got them these pre-made meals uh, that are called Freshly. Yeah. Which I think is a terrible name for a, a, a product. Like... <laughs> the the Lee at the end yeah. is very suspicious. Is it fresh? fresh it's freshish. Freshish. I mean, it's yeah, fresh. Yeah. Fresh. It's like calling something tasty, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> tasty esque. It's tasty esque or not spoiled Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so anyway, I I, uh, I get them the freshly meals, and uh, and I I don't hear back. Yeah. And no word. And finally, uh, I, I call my mom and I go, hey. It's like a month later. I go, hey, did you get those Freshly meals that we sent? Yeah. It was a long pause. And uh, I go, mom, uh, did, did they get to you? No response. <laughs> yeah. I go, mom, are you there? Clearly, someone had murdered the Freshly meals. <laughs> someone took the chicken out of the container and re-killed it to make sure the chicken wasn't zombie chicken. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my mom, and my mom goes, "Yes, I'm here, Michael." And then she paused again. Oh my god! And I go, "Mom, mom, it's okay if you didn't like the Freshly meals." <laughs> and she goes, "We didn't like the Freshly meals." <laughs> And I go, Mom, it's okay if you didn't like the Freshly Meals. I'm just surprised because they're so basic. It's just like fresh chicken. Yes. And she said, <laughs> who, could ha- too- who could have this much of a reaction to it? Yeah, and she goes, they're too fancy. Yeah, stop. 
And I, I, and I knew what she meant. Like some of them were like, you know, some of them were like chicken and macaroni and cheese, but other, other of them were like, like vin- chicken vindaloo, yeah. you know, which you could construe as fancy. Too fancy. And I go, mom, I'll cancel them. I'll get something else. And the end of the story is I go, it felt like the weight of the world was off my mo- mother's Christian shoulders. It felt like this was something she had grappled with yeah. for weeks. She yeah. had told me the truth, even though it was uncomfortable. It was as though she told me she loved me. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. I mean, in my brain, I thought she was going to say, you're like, she, Michael, I'm still here. My, did you like the fresh meals? And she said, we didn't love them. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's good. So you you didn't, (laughs) we didn't love them. Did you wub them? Did you wub them? (laughs) We didn't wub them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, it's funny because, like, I feel like your story, like today, like what we're talking about, a lot of the stuff is like family. Mm -hmm. And, and what I, what it makes me realize is that when you're talking about like, jokes about your family, so much of it, whether you're talking about your son, you're talking about your mom, I'm talking about my parents, it's like you're really talking about how you're insecure about how to love your parents and your kids. And that's sort of underlying all of the comedy. It's like, we, I feel like so often we think about comedy like it's like a cynical game, but actually it's like, I think in a lot of ways, or at least some comedy, is really about just insecurity. Definitely. And your insecurity and your willingness to put that insecurity out there makes other people feel comfortable about their own stuff. And they can just be like, oh my God, me too. That I, If this, my mom did this, I swear to God, there, I can't even imagine my grandma with a sex robot. I, there, <laughs> I, you know, but the idea of like, yes. but just the idea that your parents could create drama out of a Fresh. freshly food yes. order is so funny that that became like a whole thing and just their idea of Christianity. Well, were there other, my question I think for you is that were there other moments in your childhood or in your life where they could have said it, but what did they say instead? Like at your wedding or. Oh, I'll tell you a funny thing that I've never said to anyone is um, I think when whatever puberty hit, like I remember going into my parents' bedroom and being like, my nipples are, like, hard. <laughs> and they just, like, started laughing oh, about God. it. Like, it was an inside joke between them. Oh, yeah. no. And I was like, I feel like it's one of those memories on a loop that I talk about in the slow round of, like, I've never forgotten that Ever, I guarantee you, they don't remember it happening. No, no way. way. There's no way they remember that happening. Like the fact that your mom, the fact that you sent your mom chicken vindaloo is a bigger deal than that. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing is we do working it out for a cause where I'm going to donate to a nonprofit that you guys think uh, is doing a good job right now? Anything local or anything yeah. you could that you've done benefits for in the past? Yes. Yeah. So um, we have been involved uh, heavily with this organization for a long time in Los Angeles. And, and now more than ever, they need it. They're so good. It's called the Young Storytellers Program. Uh, and what they do is, you know, when kids were in school, they would go to schools that didn't have sort of Expand in LAUSD arts programs and whatnot, and they would. We did it as mentors. we did it as mentors. You come in as a mentor, and, and during kids' lunch times, like nine, ten, eleven year old, twelve year old kids for ten weeks. For ten weeks, you sit with them and sort of talk to them and bring out of them a five page screenplay that they dictate to wow. you. you. You can't change it. It's their words. You talk to them about it and get them to write like a whatever's going on. A lot of times it under, you know, it sort of unearths the things that are going on in their lives. But it's just an organization that we constantly go back to and continue to, you know, give time and effort and energy and, and direct money towards because they do great stuff. And and it has far reaching, uh, you know, far reaching tentacles in a, in a positive way because these kids go on to then sort of become more 
confident in what they're doing and then pass it on to other people that they know. I I think that that's amazing. I'm going to contribute to that. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and uh, encourage people, throw five bucks, throw 10 bucks. Like that's a great organization that Jason and Randy are involved with. You know, they're doing good work. I think that's phenomenal. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, Well, Jason and Randy, thanks for doing this. And uh, let's do it again really soon. I'd love to. Love to. Thanks, Mike. Working it out because it's not done. We're working it out, because there's no... That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to follow the Sklar Brothers, follow them on Instagram and Twitter, at Sklar Brothers. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Assistant editor Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff for our music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet, Jay Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, is at your local bookstore. It's the perfect time to get a book at a local bookstore and get local pizza and get local grocery store food and get local Zingermans if you're in Ann Arbor. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created this radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened and have written user reviews on Apple Podcasts and other places. It helps with our algorithm, which is really what working it out is all about. Algorithms. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We are We're working it out. I'm going to be writing down a lot of the stuff they said in the show today. (laughs) Those are going to my notes. I'll see you next time, everybody.